I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. Folks, these are, these are wolves. Truth be told, I, I oftentimes lay awake at night trying to figure out how I can get rid of wolves in the church. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Reformanda Radio, you know. We are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you when men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Semper Reformanda Radio, and my name is Tim uh, Shaughnessy, not Tim Hurd, the other guy who is the Bible Thumping Wingnut. We are a part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Just heard the news that Wrath and Grace Radio is not going to be a part of the network anymore, so we want to wish those guys uh, the best in their future endeavors. Uh, we're certainly uh, praying for their ministry, that God will bless them and, and that they will succeed. So uh, Godspeed, guys. And uh, with that, we are just going to jump right into a very important public service announcement. <laughs> so uh, let's just let's just dig into this. I have with me Carlos Montijo, and he is going to be taking on Andrew Rappaport, mano a mano. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we actually said something that was wrong last week, and uh, we wanted to make it right. So we brought on Andrew. Uh, after last week's episode aired, Andrew contacted me, and um, we we talked about what was said with regards to Andrew, and we are very very grateful that he has uh, decided to come on the on the uh, show with us today, so we can um, go ahead and talk to him about it, set the record straight, and uh, and ask Andrew to forgive us and. Um, you know, I think that this is the way things like this should be done, and they should be done quickly. And so thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Let me give you an opportunity to say hello. Oh, you know what? Andrew has a ministry called uh, Striving for the Ever After. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Striving for Eternity. That's Andrew Rappaport, who cannot pronounce Semper Reformanda Radio, but that's Andrew Rappaport. So, Andrew, how's it going? Uh, well, I, I do appreciate you guys having me on uh, it really is a privilege to be back with you guys to, and maybe not always, you know, the, this way, but, you know, it's just, we, I think I'll say son to start off is, you know, I contacted you guys privately just to say, Hey, I didn't say that. And both you guys were really quick to, to sort through the issue, to address it and, uh, and even extend an opportunity for me to come on and, and be part of your show even for a bit is, is really a privilege and I, I do want to encourage others to follow your example. I mean, if, if we're wrong, 
myself included, uh, we should say so, and we should be willing to admit when we're wrong. And not too many people like doing that. <laughs> well, w once we ask for forgiveness, what what, what else can they do? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, he said he was sorry, guys. Leave him alone. So, uh, Carlos, uh, you uh, you want to jump in here? Why don't we Why don't we explain to our listeners? a uh, little bit about what was said and a little bit about why you got the wrong impression, how, how what you said was wrong, and we can just take it from there. Sure thing, yeah. yeah we thank Andrew very much for coming on and uh, willing to come on and you know help clear the air and stuff. Uh, this has been a busy, I think the last episode has probably been the, one of the busiest for us just because of all the updates we've had to make to it. Um, so yeah, but unfortunately... When the first public service announcement that I made on last episode, episode 46, um, I had made a, a correction, I th what I thought was a correction to a statement that I thought Andrew made on uh, Theology Gals episode 8 on uh, dispensationalism. And it wasn't about dispensationalism. I mean, the episode was, but his comment was uh, about covenant theology. And what I thought he meant was... Uh, I wasn't actually sure what he meant, so I assumed that what he meant uh, was that the that Aquinas that the the threefold division of the law actually came from Aquinas, and so I kind of just assumed that and I ran with it. I didn't follow up with him, you know, privately beforehand, and I, we waited a while to get the to get that out. I mean, as you you know, the episode eight happened a while ago, and we were, you know, stuff got buried, and so everything just got kind of lost in my head, and I just sort of conflating together. So. Um, that's not actually what he said at all, <laughs> if you listen to the episode. So um, my my apologies go out to Andrew, and uh, we thank him for his graciousness and his willingness to come on. Um, and I, I also, I really, you know, sometimes, you know, I can get a little caught up with stuff, and it, it gave a really bad impression of, of how Andrew is. But if you actually listen to that episode, he, not even just that episode, but even in that episode, he, Andrew's always very, very, very careful. He tries to be extremely careful and and uh, meticulous when when he's describing views that are not his own. And we are extremely grateful for that. Um, we we very much value that here at Semper Reform on the radio. We strive. We actually try to be just like that in our show. We we do strive to be uh, fair and accurate when representing others. Even though obviously we have no problem making pointed criticisms, um, but not at strawman. We don't we don't. We try very hard not to do that, and so uh, we've learned a lot from Andrew's example. And um, again, it's I, I didn't I I don't want our listeners to get the impression that Andrew is sloppy or careless because he is not at all. Um, so that was that was entirely just out of line. It was out of step. It was my fault, and and I hope that this helps to clear up the the uh, any any kind of false you know portrayal that I made. Uh, about uh, Brother Andrew here, so um, thank you, Andrew. And um, is there anything that you had to say ab about it, or, or you know, anything to follow up, or anything like that? Well, I mean, like I said privately, um, I forgive you. You know, it wasn't. Uh, thank you. We all do this. <laughs> we we all kind of speak off the cuff at times and and get things jumbled yeah. in our heads. I, I think what, what you were referring to really was something I, I should have made clear. It's something that I've talked privately with Colleen before we did that episode. So she knew exactly what I was talking about. And yet 
I don't think I made it clear to her audience and it allowed for some confusion. And I mean, what I had said, one of the things that I had said, I wasn't even talking about Aquinas or the threefold division of law, which was helpful for me that you brought that out because I always used to say that, you know, like, gee, I don't know where I find that other than in the Westminster Confession, but it was actually before the Westminster. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, but the, I would always say that jokingly, though. But but seriously, the the thing that I think I said that got uh, got this got me in trouble with this is the is I referenced the fact that covenant theology is is really grounded in the hermeneutic of it was from Roman Catholicism, and people go, ah, oh, he's saying that it's wrong because it's Catholic, and that's the problem. I didn't really clarify because the reformers were reforming the Catholic Church, and and they didn't just they didn't just drop that hermeneutic and start with a brand new one. They took what they knew, what they had studied, the same hermeneutic. They changed it in the sense that they were saying, so, so they weren't allowing councils or, or a church to interpret God's word. So there were changes that they made, and that was called Reformed Theology. And so I, I often would say, you know, Technically, you guys believe in reform theology, um, because that's really what the reformers were were, especially after Luther. You know, Lutheranism has its own. You can slowly see the changes from Roman Catholicism to Luther to you know, like Calvin and, and others. Um, and you'd have some that were more literalists that had come on, and so I, I made that kind of more offhanded statement. Uh, without giving the explanation, and I think some people heard me say, you know, just reference that Roman Catholicism was was founded in in Catholicism, and, and just because it's founded in Catholicism doesn't mean it's wrong. I mean, not everything the Catholic Church did was wrong. That may freak people out, but especially after the several episodes you guys did on Catholicism, but <laughs> but it it was something that I should have clarified um, because it's. It's really, you know, people ask me if I'm Reformed, if I believe in Reformed theology. I'm either going to say no or I'm going to ask what they mean by that. Because the majority of people think Reformed theology is what's often called Calvinism or God's sovereignty in soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Right. And yet, that's not really what historically Reformed theology was. It was a way of interpreting the Bible separate from the Roman Catholic Church. And dispensationalism is yet another way, and new covenant theologies, you know, yet they're they're different interpretation uh, styles of interpretation or, or methods, and uh, I think that added, you know, that because I didn't give the context and that it added confusion, it made it um, easy for you, Carlos, to to take and and misinterpret very easily um, because I didn't give the context. And so I think some of that blame falls on me for not providing that context. And, and so therefore I need to ask your forgiveness and, and really it's for her listeners as well, for the girls over at Theology Gals. We, well, I mean, we, there's definitely no need to apologize to us, but we are, we are thankful for, for, for you. And actually, I, I do have to call you out, though, on that episode because you actually called Louis Lyons, you called him Louis Loins. And I Oh. Colleen, Colleen did correct you on that, but then you called me Carlos Montino. So, 
So that that's our public service announcement correction right there. That's what I should have, you know, made the well, correction yeah, but, about. But go go to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network and try to find a Salt and Light podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see see where that's at. So yeah, I'm calling you out, Carlos, <laughs> for that. <laughs> Yeah. No, and, Andrew, I, I honestly don't think that you need to apologize for anything. Uh, it was, it was a failure on our part. I mean, one of the things that you pointed out to me that I thought was really helpful was, if you have access to somebody, contact them personally and say, "Hey, you said this. Is this what you meant? Can you elaborate or clarify?" Um, and we didn't do that, so um, I think that the onus falls on us to do that. Um, so I mean I appreciate I appreciate the humility that you're that you're showing and um, and just the the graciousness that you're showing us to come on and and work this out. But I honestly don't hold you responsible for for any of it. Um, but Carlos, uh, was there anything else that you that you had? Yes, I did want to actually also uh, you know because I I don't know people may not have seen this already, but I did update the show notes. Uh, to episode 46, and I posted them on the Bible Thumping Wiener group, so some people may have seen that, uh, you know, basically laying out my apology and the timestamps and the errors that I made uh, regarding Andrew, what, what I thought Andrew said. And But I, I also actually really want to thank uh, Andrew and his ministry because um, he what he does is actually, it's a very helpful um, it's very helpful to to the cause of Christ and to, to to the edification of the church because what he likes to do is, you know, set up opposing views uh, to get together and hash things out. Uh, you know, you have the clashing of theology series. You have like the, the covenant versus new covenant theology series. You know, episode that I did with Louis Lyons, and he also did some previous ones with uh, actually Pastor Paul Kaiser of the Porch and you know dispensationalism versus new covenant and and so on and so forth. So. Um, I think those are very helpful uh, ways of of, do, of dialoguing as Christians with different differences of of certain certain kinds of uh, you know doctrines that may not necessarily be primary issues but are still nevertheless important and especially important uh, when when you're disagreeing to somebody's theology or reacting to it you don't want to be reacting to a straw man or to a misrepresentation of that so I think those 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 forums and those opportunities that you provide for people to to jump on and and you know hash things out and clarify and correct things, um, I think has been a, a very uh, tremendous uh, blessing and uh, very edifying for people to to take a look at that. Actually, you know we just did one, you know a clashing of theologies episode on sanctification. It was like a two and a half hour, you know, clashing of you know the some of the different network uh, hosts from Bible Thumping Wingnut. So I highly recommend people to check that out. You know we got to talk a lot about different things and, and a lot of different kinds of issues were were involved there so again we are very thankful for for Andrew um, it, it was really not it, I, I don't want people to think that we uh, you know that that what my initial you know statement about him kind of made it seem like he was irresponsible or anything like that it's quite the op the exact opposite is actually true I have, I've actually I've met very little people um, who who is as careful as he is so and actually for that reason I'm actually I want to get Andrew's book uh, you know what do they believe uh, it's probably gonna it's probably a very good book seeing how how careful Andrew tries to be so I do plan on uh, getting that sometime in the near future and I would also recommend that book to our believers which is uh, to our believers to our listeners um, 
which is actually it's like a systematic theology of of you know other major world religions or something like that, right? Correct. Correct. Six, six of the major the way, major Western religions. Awesome. Yeah, I have I took a religious studies class and you know some I have I have a religious studies minor from a secular university and the textbooks are terrible. You I was know, gonna they, say they that's just, probably worthless. Yeah, yeah, they are absolutely terrible. And so I need to I need to up my game with those and get a better reference. Um, but yeah, that was that was mainly what we wanted to you know communicate. Well, we highly recommend that you check out Andrew's ministry, his episodes. Uh, we do, you know, he's a dispensational. He so we do disagree with him on certain issues, and you know, so you you kind of saw some of that if you saw the episode on sanctification. Um, but by and large, we have we have um, very much uh, in agreement with a lot of things, a lot of important issues and doctrines as well. So um, we thank you, Andrew. Hopefully we can have you uh, come on in the future, you know, well, over something that's not for the same reason, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. yeah. Hey, Andrew, do you, have a, do you have time to answer a question? Sure. Let me just say, um, you know, I, I thank you for your kind words. Um, I, I, and, you know, you mentioned the the clashing of the clashing of theologies it's actually going to play because uh matt slick and i did not do a, a recording of slick answers folks uh tune into slick answers that's a separate rss feed than bible thumping wingnut but if you do a search for slick answers it'll play you'll hear carlos referring to the um shine as uh lights <laughs> salt and lights uh, <clears throat> oh you know, man People that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. <laughs> <laughs> so you're posting the audio on the on that feed, then? Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, that we're gonna do that. We we did the previous one uh, when Matt and I missed. We're, that'll become its own podcast eventually, but uh, right now we're just slipping them in <laughs> when Matt and I can't record. Awesome, good to know. Do you know what the next one is gonna be about? Well, the the originally I thought it was going to be on apologetics, because that was the oh, in, okay. in our list that was the next one. But uh, suddenly some some folks got in and uh, the historical genesis moved up the line, which I'm I'm going okay. So uh, we'll see. We'll either do and you know the sanctification one. A lot of the comments from the the you know and, and for folks that don't know, clashing of theologies is a once a month podcast where all the guys who are on or guys and girls uh, on the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network get together and just hash through different theologies. And we did we did one on sanctification and people were going, eh, what do you agree with? Well, we found plenty to disagree with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, but it was good. You know, I mean, I, I really think that this is a spirit that we're, we should have with one another. Um, even in areas we disagree, uh, I disagree with a lot of of my friends, and some of that disagreement is is strong and gets heated, and we love it because it's iron sharpening iron. But we never hate each other. Um, Matt Slick and I, he, he's a real good friend of mine, and I don't agree with much of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but but there's a lot of things he and I disagree on, and what. A lot of people like to watch us disagree because the 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 love and care we have for one another when we disagree. And we're actually going to do uh, – there's a conference in New Jersey called the, the New Jersey Apologetics Conference. It's going to be in October. 
And Matt and I are going to do one that I thought I was never going to be willing to do with Matt. We're going to discuss spiritual gifts. And we're going to do it live in front of an audience. <laughs> nice. And so Look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> that that should be really good. Um Well, I know uh I know it's late where you're at and uh I don't want to keep you up too late, but I I really appreciate you coming on and um I really appreciate everything that you are doing and I'm very grateful to be a part of this network and uh, a ministry under striving for eternity. So, uh, Carlos, you have anything to add before we go? No, that was all. Thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on. And we, we do hope to have you in the future sometime about, uh, you know, future, future topics that we'd want to like pursue all, with you. Like what? Like all my heresies. Cause I got plenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe no, we will no. invite you to uh, to talk about dispensationalism. Uh oh. Yeah, that'd it's be coming. fine. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Actually, you know, I think that when you get to heaven, you guys will will figure out that you should have been following it all along. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I really do appreciate the privilege of of being able to come on here and talk with you guys. I I do see it as an honor. Uh, you guys have a very serious podcast with serious content, and and every time I'm learning something, and so I really appreciate it. It's it's one of the podcasts I will always listen to because of the the content, the amount of information given in a in a short period of time. It's it's amazing how much you guys pack in, and it's one of the podcasts I suggest many people to listen to. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're very um, humbled by that. Thank you, yeah. and we do, we do uh, want to uh, say that. Um, wow, I just went blank, and I was gonna say something really important. That sucks. <laughs> oh All my right. gosh. Well, uh, well oh no, no, I'm sorry. I remember now. I remember. remember no, now? thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Andrew. The privilege is all ours. It is a privilege to have you on here, and you know, do, stay tuned, folks. We do look forward to it, and you know, sometime in the future to have him on and uh, hash things out with uh, dispensationalism, maybe or something like that. So, but thank you again, Andrew. How did you forget to say that? <laughs> I have no idea, <laughs> oh, and I just thought went, about it. Like, yeah, that's a really strange thing for your mind to go blank on. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew. Uh, we'll see you again. We'll be. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll be catching you on the uh, Theology Clashing. What's it called again? The Theology Clash? It'll be Clash Clashing of Theologies. Yeah. Clashing of Theologies. All right. Um, and with that, um, just going to go ahead and take a break, uh, play a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to Conversations from the port. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. 
At TrackedPlanet.com, we have solid, biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new track just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at TrackedPlanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN. All right, we are back, and I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, China's Lights is not salt and light. So, Adam, I apologize on behalf of Carlos for for that little mix-up. And uh, and also the uh, the Wrath and Grace guys, they are, as I said, moving moving out. So maybe we, we might be updating this little promotional clip that Tim put together. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be getting some other podcasts to come on. Um, so with that being said, let's, uh, I have with me Carlos, um, and we're going to go ahead and jump into this. Uh, Carlos, you recently jumped on to the latest clashing of theologies, uh, episode with, uh, with, the guys from from some of the other networks, uh, I think Vince was there, uh, Paul Kaiser was there, Colleen Sharp was there, Adam was there, and um, and then uh, John Wilkinson popped in for a little bit. I saw that. I, I don't think that he he um, yeah he said much. Uh, and then Andrew Rapport, of course, was there. But uh, overall impression, man, what did you think? Uh, I had a really good time. Uh, I thought it was really helpful, a really good discussion on a number of different issues um, tied to sanctification. I would have, I would have liked to pursue some um, other, some some topics pertaining to it more, a little bit more. But they already had like a list of questions that they wanted to cover, and uh, but it was nevertheless a very good discussion. Uh, I was, and I was actually kind of, uh, I enjoyed uh, Andrew. Uh, jumping in more because when when Lewis and I had our discussion it was more just me and him and Andrew would he, he wasn't really you know he was just kind of letting us uh, talk but uh, I enjoyed his interactions he he you know that you can tell you can kind of tell when somebody's been theologically trained because he knows how to ask all the right questions so Andrew always asks uh, very good questions that kind of provoke the issue you know expose the issue and see where you land on and stuff like that so it's a very good way of uh you know, drawing out certain things and, and getting people's perspective on how well they answer it, you know, consistently according to the Bible and things like that. So it was a really good discussion. Uh, we covered a lot of different stuff. I highly recommend uh, people to check it out. Like Andrew said, it's going to be in the Slick Answers um, uh, podcast. So, you know, you can search for that and and uh, and check and check it out. And, and I did also want to... Uh, you know, to kind of set the groundwork for that a little, a little bit, because there, there are some things that we wanted to kind of talk about a little bit more and sort of give our, our take on. Um, I, I did want to take the time to to read my my apology to Andrew and to the uh, just some of the statements that I had made to clarify what was uh, what we said, what I said specifically on episode 46. So 
Um, I'm just going to start from the top here. It says, uh, I, Carlos Montijo, am deeply sorry and apologize to Andrew Rappaport for misrepresenting what he said about Covenant Theology in his interview with Theology Gals, Episode 8. I misunderstood what he said at minute 1240 by assuming he was referring to the claim that the threefold division of the law came from Aquinas uh, based on a previous discussion that wasn't public. We are removing that portion from the episode. I deeply regret giving our listeners the impression that Brother Andrew was sloppy or careless in his presentation of Covenant Theology. Quite the opposite is true. For anyone who knows him is aware that he is extremely diligent to be as fair and accurate as possible when presenting views that are not his own. We at Semper Reformanda Radio share the same convictions and strive to emulate them to emulate his quintessential example. I'm also very grateful to Brother Andrew for the opportunity he provided me to discuss covenant theology and new covenant theology with Lewis Lyons and for being able to participate in his Clashing of Theology series because he recognizes the importance of direct interaction with one another, especially opposing views, which in many cases is far more fruitful uh, than, than one-sided monologues. I also want to clarify my comments about Jason Mullet being largely ignorant uh, of New Covenant theology. It was not at all meant to be an insult or jab, nor was I at all implying or suggesting that, <clears throat> that I would have been the better representative against Dustin Seegers, who is a knowledgeable and seasoned NCT proponent. It was simply based on what Jason himself said on Conversations from the Porch, episode 50, at uh, the one hour, four minute, 30 second timestamp, uh, that he had not done a lot of reading on NCT and that the only thing he had read was the first three chapters of Charles Leiter's The Law of Christ. Anyone who actually listened to our episode knows that I recommend that I commended Brother Jason uh, for for being an excellent debater, especially on topics that he knows well, such as his discussions with Leighton Flowers on Calvinism. And even Flowers commended Jason for uh, representing the Calvinist view well. Uh, so I, I said I was disappointed because if Jason had done more reading, he would have been better prepared to interact with Dustin's arguments, some of which were based on misunderstandings of the Reformed faith. One example is in minute is in uh, our uh, hour one minute 23 of conversations from the porch episode 50 where Dustin claims that the reform view equates the moral law to the Ten Commandments exclusively and further claims that historically this is how covenant theologians have always defined it unfortunately many new covenant theolo uh, theology proponents make this error conversations from the porch has continued to repeat this error despite our attempts to correct it including in this episode all they need to do is read the Westminster Larger Catechism questions 93 and 98. Question 93 says, what is the moral law? The moral law is the declaration of the will of God to mankind, directing and binding everyone to personal, perfect, and perpetual conformity and obedience thereunto, and the frame and, disposi and disposition of the whole man, soul and body, <clears throat> and in performance of all those duties of holiness and righteousness which he owes to God and man promising life upon the fulfilling and threatening death upon the breach of it. Question 98, where is the moral law summarily comprehended? Uh, the moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments, which were delivered by the voice of God upon, upon Mount Sinai and written by him in two tables of stone and are recorded in the 20th chapter of Exodus. The, the four first commandments containing our duty to God and the other six our duty to man. I nevertheless think Jason did a great job and hope he continues to study NCT and engage in discussions or debates with them. Perhaps we can even join forces in the future. Maybe it would have been better for me to say that Jason's knowledge of NCT was limited as opposed to largely ignorant of. I myself am largely ignorant of many things, and I'm sure Jason is far more knowledgeable than I am about many things. As fellow Reformed Baptists, we are very much in agreement with Jason and even listed his episode critiquing NCT on our playlist, on our uh, Semper Reformanda New Covenant Theology playlist. 
that we have on <clears throat> the Bible Thumping Wingnut website. I did not at all dismiss Jason for not being a Sabbatarian, as Pastor Paul Kaiser of Conversations from the Porch claimed in Minute 53 of their recent episode, uh, their last episode, which I believe, I don't think it had a number, but it was uh, supposed to be, I think, 53, but they called the latest one 53. I think it's called Ramblings from the Porch or something like that. Nor did I ever say that Jason didn't know what he was talking about or immodestly imply that I would have done better, as Ryan Dozier claimed in Minute 5130. I hope we can all have more fruitful discussions in the future and sharpen each other as brothers in Christ. Semper Reformanda, Carlos Montijo. So that I, I posted that yesterday and, uh, you know, kind of initiating the process of, you know, correcting what we had, what I had said about Andrew. Right, right. And um, just on that note, your comments about Jason not holding to the Sabbath was nothing more than a caveat. And it's very similar to the caveat that, J.D. Hall gave of us when he played our episode with right. uh, over Tim Keller, and if you yeah. if you listen to that, he said, you know, uh, these guys are Reformed Baptists. He he, uh, you know, said this this was a very good episode or something like that. And uh, but then he 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 let his audience know. He said, you know, but they they hold to the uh, to the gifts, and he said, um, you know, just he, he encouraged us to just embrace Article One. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, the he, he, wasn't, he wasn't dismissing us at all. It was just, it's a little caveat. And that's, that's really, uh, w with regards to that, you, you were not dismissing uh, Jason for not being a Sabbatarian. It was, uh, he's, he's a Reformed Baptist. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still working through the, the Sabbath issue myself. Uh, I find that I'm, I'm agreeing more and more with the Reformed Baptist position than, than right. when, we, uh, when we first started out. Uh, but hey, semper reformanda, right? So that's that's what that's all about, and um, and I really appreciate you for for the humility in just you know tackling it this way because um, and, and you know I, I hope that these guys will will see that that you weren't you weren't trying to be proud. Um, I, I think that for for us uh, seeing that we've we've been wanting to have these conversations and this was actually prior to when we recorded this this was prior to us learning that paul kaiser was going to open open up the door to to have these conversations on their podcast uh so yeah. maybe you know you can you can jump on there and, and join them and and we certainly would want to commend them for for willing to have direct dialogue and um and uh, be be willing to interact on on that level. So I hope that this little ordeal just you know ends there. Yeah, um, you know if you listen to their episode, uh, the rambling episode where they you know said some of those you know uh, incorrect statements about my motives or about what I was you know trying to do or come off as, you know they. They did say that they don't want to do another back and forth. They don't want to do a back and forth with us, and and I agree. I agree 100%. We don't want to do that again. And I recognize we we've we've recognized that you know the the opportunity that I had to jump in on the sanctification episode with the other hosts as well as Paul Kaiser. I think that was a very good those. That's pretty much the best opportunity to talk about stuff like this with them. And so. Yeah, it's a great opportunity that they're opening up for 
you know, whoever who wants to join them on their episode and, and, you know, just jump on and hash things out. We may very well take them up on that opportunity. And the reason we wanted that from the beginning was because of what actually happened. You know, we, we don't have a problem admitting that we're wrong and we want nothing more but to be on good terms with conversations from the porch. We, we love them. We appreciate them as brothers very much. We care a lot about them and we care a lot about the issues that they are raising. Um, New Covenant theology is a very important issue and it is, it is, it is taking, uh, it is sweeping into, you know, it, it has a lot of influence. It's, it's becoming influential in a lot of Baptist churches, especially, uh, even in my church that, that discussion has already started. You know, it's already started and my pastor's already starting to address it. So, um, they are very important issues and, and this is why we, we, we did take the time to address them and we're going to continue to take the time to address it and to continue to refine, uh, to, to hone in on our criticisms, to help them point them uh, into a more consistent direction with the scriptures. You know, when we bring corrections uh, to what they say, it's not so that we can prove that we're right and they're wrong. It's to get them to stop what they're doing so that they don't give their listeners the wrong impression of what Reformed theology is and what it holds to, and so that they can actually understand the position well enough to formulate a decent argument against it uh, should they wish to do so. So that is why we're doing this. You, you know, as Christians, we have the responsibility of understanding the, the opposing view, respecting it, and representing it accurately in all of our dealings. You know, that we don't rhetoric and, and using rhetoric and, and all this other stuff. That's not what Christians do when we're especially with other believers, you know, like that's just unacceptable. That should that's not even that shouldn't even be a, a, a thought in our mind to do that. And so the reason, you know, like we have tried to bring correction to a lot of the things that Conversations from the Porch has said, especially about covenant theology and reform theology. Because as I said from the very beginning, their episodes, just about every time they talk about it, they misrepresent it, even in their latest, in their later episodes. You know, and that's why I commended, I, I did commend Brother Paul Kaiser, and I'm still very grateful that he's reading Reformed Baptist theology and recommending, recommending it to his listeners. That is most definitely a step in the right direction. We have been doing the same. We are reading NCT authors. We are critiquing them. We are we are seeing what they actually say and giving you our perspective on it. And so we've tried to bring correction to a lot of things that they say. We've done it on the show several times. We've done it uh, on Facebook. And we've even tried to do it privately on, on some occasions as well. And, you know, sadly and disappointingly, none of it seems to be working. And so, but I think the opportunity that we have to address each other directly in, in the, the kind of dialogue that took place on the clashing of theologies on sanctification, I think that's probably the best way to go about it, to address, air out our concerns, our disagreements, our, and, and, you know, actually engage and actually really, because when you're, when you're on the, uh, a forum like that, you can't back out of stuff and you can't just ignore the comment or whatever, you know, so that is our hope. You know, we, 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 we do want to be able to learn from each other and sharpen each other, okay? And that means that we're going to make very pointed criticisms about New Covenant Theology because, you know, we have some serious concerns about it. There's a lot of problems that New Covenant Theology uh, is, is perpetuating, 
and we're going to address them. So it is in the spirit of brotherly love in Christ, and we, 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 we're hoping that things get better from here. It does seem like they will be, but we can't at the same time whitewash the history of what actually happened before, you know, because Paul Kaiser kind of gave the impression that, oh, well, you know, we didn't really have a, you know, we, we made it clear that we wanted to do this from the beginning. We didn't want to engage anybody yet. And it's like, well, no, that's not true. You know, that's, that's not true. They gave us a different impression from the very beginning. We decided to engage them. And so like, and then it, ended up, it just completely fell apart because they, they ended up not wanting to. And, and uh, you know, we don't have to revisit that all over again. And I'm not trying to, you know, you know, bring, resurrect all this stuff all over again. But let's be honest with what actually happened. Yeah, we've, we've covered all of that before. Um, from the beginning, we, we had one impression. And then uh, Paul Kaiser, I think, you know, he did say that uh, afterwards here, because I do remember him saying that, you know, we want to, when we were asking them to engage and they, they were reluctant, they didn't want to, that then he, he corrected our misunderstanding about uh, about where they were at. And he said, you know, that they wanted to lay the groundwork first. Um, so he, he did say that it was just at a, at a later point. It wasn't the initial impression that we got. And, uh, and you know, hopefully that's all water under the bridge. Um, so we don't want to back and forth between them. It's funny because they said that they didn't want to back and forth between us and them or – Maybe it wasn't about us, but they said that they didn't want to back and forth after they critiqued the episode of Clashing with Theologies. And so I'm hoping that we can we can do the same thing that they did, that we can sort of critique some of the things that came out of that episode, because that's, that's what we're going to do right now. And, and I'm hoping that we won't be accused of, of trying to create a back and forth, because, uh, you know, we're, we're not holding the, we're not holding that to them. Uh, they critiqued some of the things, and then they said they don't want to back and forth. And, okay, we understand. We're, we're fine with that. Uh, we want to just give our perspective about some of the things that were said. And so one of the things that we wanted to talk about was the uh, the Ordo Salutis and, uh, and the arguments made by uh, Paul Kaiser and conversations from the porch. And, uh, man, Carlos, I... I stepped in it big time, man, because I I sent Paul a text, uh -oh. and I said, I think you're right about you the Ordo Salutis. Oops. And then I went back, <laughs> man, I'm trying so hard. I'm like, oh, I'm trying so hard to just like, you know, <laughs> I, I want to affirm them in some way. <laughs> and I realized that. I, I guess I wasn't paying attention clearly enough because I did not hear him say that conversion was synergistic. And it's actually pretty funny, man, because I'll play the clip. And so I, I think what happened was I was distracted. Um, you know, I was listening to it on my, on my phone and, uh, and I probably just didn't catch this, this one part, but um, I'll play the, the clip as that, that explains why I thought I, and I, I was even kind of baffled like I was like why are you disagreeing with him on this but uh let me see if I can go ahead and play this right now hold on did you hear what I said right. but conversion is still a result of regeneration absolutely and God regenerates us monogistically just look at the reformed odor salutis google it 
no okay. one would say what you just said. Yeah, I don't think that's true. So that that's what I heard. Um, God regenerates us monarchistically. And then right on the heels of that, uh, Colleen said no one would say that. And then Carlos said, uh, I don't think that's true. And I didn't realize that you guys were actually objecting to the, the thing that I missed before that where Paul said that uh, uh, that conversion was uh, synergistic. Um, I believe that's what he said, but we're going to go ahead and play the clip uh, so that way we, we're sure to get him right. But I sent him a text and I said, yeah, I think you're right. And then I had a conversation with Carlos later and he said, no, that's not what we were objecting to. And he pointed me, he pointed out that he said that conversion was, was synergistic. And I thought, oh man, oh man, I, I got it wrong. And uh, I mean, fortunately in the text, I said, I, I need to go back and listen to it again. But um, anyways, I tried so hard. I, I really did. <laughs> um, so brother Paul, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I tried so hard. So in their episode of rambling with theology, they, they kind of doubled down on that point of, uh, conversion being synergistic and uh, I think probably the best thing to do would just be to play them and, uh, and f from that episode you know that that I, I um, w was looking at and this is by Stuart how do you pronounce his last name Ryan Oliot that's what I would say Oliot yeah Oliot yeah and Sure. Yeah, he's from the, he's from the UK. Pastor in the UK writes for Banner of Truth, and you can go find this article. It's the Order of Salvation Study Notes by Stuart Oliot. It is on Monergism's website. Um, so that's not a New Covenant website. You guys don't have to get scared. And he does a ch chapter, and he talks about um, repentance and faith. What what I asserted was conversion is is synergistic. And everybody, all of a sudden, when we start talking about the Ordo Salutis. Everybody went bonkers. I mean, I don't think Adam did, but uh, I'm not sure if Andrew did, but everybody went bonkers like, you know, you're absolutely incorrect, Paul. You're absolutely incorrect. And what they did is they truncated regeneration with conversion. And we have to understand a proper ordo salutis. I'm going to play another. Let me just before I get to this article, let me just go ahead and play one more clip so you can see what I'm talking about. I want to emphasize, obviously, with our catechism question from the Westminster shorter catechism we want to emphasize that it's a it's a work of God because if, if it were on our own I mean if I if you pressed me I would say monergistic even though I find the terms unhelpful but but ultimately it is a work of God I would not desire obedience I would not be growing in sanctification if it were not because of justification and my union with Christ right yeah, I, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I would just quote Philippians 2, 12 through 15. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his good purposes. So it is the Holy Spirit. It is God enabling us to act but we do act the, the holy spirit doesn't act for us we're not robots but we are commanded well that comes into god's knowledge then can we do can we do contrary to god already knows in that area well of course not the i mean that's why i think that's why does, i describe it the way i believe here vincent this is not the google hangout or google plus but does christ believe for you 
Is it because of Christ's faith or your faith? Because of the faith he gives us. Yeah, Philippians Philippians 129 for that, and it says, you know, it says that it's been granted to you for for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. So right. I would say it's been granted. It's been granted, but we believe. Yep. Yeah. I would say con- conversion is synergistic. That's the proper reformed ordo salutis. Go ahead and look it up. Google it. I don't. Maybe, think, maybe uh, I would take issue with that. I don't maybe think yeah. Maybe we have a different definition yeah, of what synergism is. Synergism just, is. just look. Just look at the ordo salutis. When you guys get home, go look at the ordo salutis and see where the conversion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Regeneration precedes of Here, hey Carlos. Regeneration is not conversion, but it precedes faith. Regeneration is not conversion. Did you hear what I said? Right. But conversion is, is still a result of regeneration. Absolutely. And God regenerates us monogistically. Just look at the Reformed Odor Salutis. Google it. No, okay. no one would say what you said. Yeah, that's not, I don't think that's true. I, I know you don't think it's true, but I'm more Reformed than all you guys right now. No, well, I don't think so because I don't think we're understanding correctly our position. Hey, hey, Andrew, I don't, I, know how to address it. I don't know how to do a, trans, a, a screen share, but please, yeah, ordo salutis and hold up an image and see what it shows. It's, well, it's Romans eight. That's the ordo salutis. Those whom we call the justified, glorified, that's the golden chain of redemption. That's yeah. that's the same. Uh, that's the ordo salutis. I'm, I'm talking theologically. That that is what the order salutis is based on. Okay, so br- brother RC, what are your thoughts on that? So I I can't help but laughing that you point out that you were more reformed than they were at the at, <laughs> during the conversation, but um, the discussion centered on the order salutis, and the disagreement was they were conflating regeneration with conversion. And they were saying that, um, in essence, both of them are monergistic and that um, the way in which you outlined or defined uh, conversion was incorrect. Okay, so, so, yeah, I I had apparently missed that he uh, he said that conversion was uh, synergistic and um, and then uh, he doubled down on it on, on his show. So we're pretty confident that that's you know we want to be charitable and uh, <laughs> and believe what he actually said. Um, so we're pretty confident that that uh, does accurately represent what Paul thinks is the reformed position. And we, we want to try to bring some clarity to that because fr- from our perspective, uh, because we do not see that as entailing the reformed position. And we actually think that it's a little bit problematic to use that terminology and say uh, conversion is synergistic. But the first thing that I want to point out is this. In, in the chart that, that Paul put up, um, Nowhere in that chart does it actually use the word synergistic. Yeah, it doesn't define anything. Well, not only does it not define anything, but it doesn't actually use the word synergistic. And it misleadingly uses, it puts God and man underneath 
conversion and God and man underneath sanctification, almost as, as if the terms were kind of the same there, like they applied in the same way. Well, so it was actually kind of misleading. Yeah, and and that that's just it. So so under conversion, there's a there's a little um, parentheses, and it says God, and then dash man, and then uh, out from man, it has faith and repentance. And Carlos, I'm going to let you get into this a little bit more, but the the graphic uh, of the Ordo Salutis is is I think depicting where God acts entirely alone. And then it's also depicting where both God and man act, but man's actions should not be regarded as being synergistic. And I think that once we define what it means to be synergistic, we'll see maybe why this is a problem. So let me uh, let me go ahead and, and uh, read that I thought was helpful on uh, monergism and synergism. Synergism, a belief that faith arises out of an internal capacity of the natural man. In other words, synergists believe that faith itself is a principle standing independent and autonomous of God's actions of grace. It is something the natural man must add or contribute toward the price of his salvation. Unregenerate man in this scheme is left to his free will and natural ability to believe or reject God. Synergists teach that God's grace takes part takes us part of the way to salvation, but that the fallen rebellious human will be uh, human will must determine the final outcome. And so, understanding what what synergism implies, because because at that at that section of of that chart, you have uh, under man faith and repentance, and and to say that that conversion is synergistic. And, and then to to say that uh, man's part is faith and repentance is to is to imply basically what what I just read uh, the the synergistic view that that man uh, that man cooperates uh, on his own will apart from God causing him to to or gifting him faith and repentance and so uh, I think that it would be better to say that God at the moment of conversion is gifting man uh, or, or is causing man to to have faith and repentance and we see that that scripture uh, labels both of these as a gift from God so there's absolutely nothing in man that that can that can bring these things about in of himself not of his own will that God has to has to act upon his will upon man's will and give him the gift of faith and give him the gift of repentance and so a couple of things here. I can totally see how Paul would come to that conclusion. I can totally see that. But I've I've not been able to find anybody who would actually from the reform side who who would actually. I, I was looking through some books and and who would actually say that that conversion was synergistic. I need to go back and listen to his episode to see if he if he uh, did that because I know that he doubled down a little bit. On that, but I can totally see why he would get that impression from this. I think that the the chart is unclear. Um, the chart does not use the word synergist uh, or synergism, and none of the terms in the chart are defined. So that uh, from from what I'm taking away from this is that does not accurately represent the reformed position. And I think that's that's what that Colleen uh, Sharp from Theology Gals, who's a Presbyterian. 
Um, we're Reformed Baptists with the caveat of, <laughs> we have a couple of caveats, uh, you know, that we've, we've talked about, but um, that, that's really what I think that, that you guys were trying to get at. Tell me if my assessment was correct. What else would you, what else would you add to that? Well, we have to set up the context a little bit more, I think, because for the first problem was that nobody defined what conversion was. Conversion was never defined in the discussion. And so <clears throat> when I heard Paul say that conversion is synergistic, I had a sort of immediate gut reaction against it. But, you know, if you notice, he said, like, everybody said you're absolutely wrong. You know, they said you're absolutely wrong. Like, no, that's not that's not what I said, at least. And I don't think anybody actually I don't think anybody else actually said that they were just kind of reacting because they sort of had an implicit notion that that was wrong. And I said, I think it is wrong. I, I, I said I thought it was wrong, but I wasn't sure because I forgot what conversion meant. So the first thing to establish is, is what conversion actually means. And Paul does talk about it on his episode, even though in, sancti in the sanctification uh, episode where we all where we were talking, it was never defined. And all conversion means is just repentance and faith. And that's what I kind of thought of. I kind of was thinking that, but I wasn't sure. That's why I said regeneration precedes faith, because faith is is what makes faith is part of conversion. And so, uh, regeneration is prior to faith in the monergistic view, whereas in the synergistic view, regeneration is comes after faith. And so, the the other problem here is, and then so. I kind of I have to take some responsibility for for sort of like not really putting my finger on the on the actual problem, but I will actually commend uh, Vincent Lancon. What's his last name? Lancon or Lancon? Uh, Vincent from Council of Google Plus. He actually put his finger on the problem. He was the one who pointed it out, and I I didn't hear him when he said that, but but and I kind of like I was still kind of scrambling to remember what conversion meant. And so I wasn't too sure, and, I, and so I didn't want to commit to anything too much, but I just kind of had a feeling it was wrong. And then so I almost kind of thought like, okay, well, maybe he is right because I'm, I'm just not sure, but I, I still don't think it is, but like I wasn't sure. But Vincent put his finger on the problem because he said, maybe we have a different understanding of synergistic because synergism is the Arminian view. It, is, it has nothing to do with Calvinism or the Reformed Ordo Salutis or Order of Salvation. It is very improper and confusing and just plain wrong to use the term synergism when you're describing the reform position. And, and it's funny because all of the authors that he quoted, I don't think any one of them used the term synergism either. And I will give Paul this. We, you know, we will give him some credit. You know, I do think Paul was, was perhaps explaining the, the, the right position, but I think he was using the wrong term, terms to explain it. And so I th because what he was trying to say, yeah, he, we're not robots. We obviously we have the faith ourselves. God doesn't have the faith for us. God doesn't need faith and God doesn't need repentance because he, he's God. He, he whatever he knows is true. And so, yeah, I agreed with everything that that he was saying, you know, that we have to have faith and we well, have to repent. Yeah. But the but the problem is, OK, so now we're tying into some other issues because now faith becomes an issue. What exactly is faith and what exactly is repentance and all of those things? And so we kind of touched on this on our episode on the Lordship controversy, but because the, another issue becomes, you know, 
first of all, we, we need to, okay, let's just establish right away as to what, what synergism actually is. Um, I'm going to read the entry on synergism from the Concise Evangelical Dictionary of Theology by Walter A. Elwell, who is the editor. And um, the, the thing about this is, and I think this is why everybody had a, a, a sort of gut reaction against it, because anybody who's familiar with the monergistic and synergistic controversy, it's like, okay, that's the opposing view. You know, it doesn't make sense to use synergism when synergism is the opposing view to monergism. And so what does it mean? So here, so here's the entry. It says synergism, Greek synergos working together. Reference to the doctrine of divine and human cooperation in conversion. Did you hear that? Reference to the doctrine of divine and human cooperation in conversion. Synergism seeks to reconcile two paradoxical truths, the sovereignty of God and human moral responsibility. Nowhere do these truths so intersect as in the theology of conversion. The Augustinian tradition emphasizes the sovereignty of God in conversion, or monergism, or divine monergism. The other, the opposing view, in other words, which is synergism, emphasizes cooperation of God and humankind. During the Lutheran Reformation, the synergistic controversy occurred arising from statements made by Philip Melanchthon. In the second edition of his Loci, published in 1535, Melanchthon wrote that, the, that in conversion, three causes are conjoined, the word, the Holy Spirit, and the will, not wholly inactive, but resisting its own weakness. God draws, but draws him who is willing, and the will is not a statue, and that spiritual emotion is not impressed upon as though it were a statue. His followers were called Philippists, his opponents were called Nessio, or genuine Lutherans, and this was written by C.G. Fry. So as you can, t obviously, Synergism is not the reform view. It's actually the compromising Melanchthonian position that ascribes some credit to the human will. As you can see, he says, the will is not wholly inactive, but resisting its own weakness. It, synergism, in other, in other words, presupposes human free will. The fact that you have the ability to choose God without him regenerating you first. So the, the, the whole thing is just completely wrong. It's a, it's a completely confusing and, and inaccurate statement that Paul said about conversion being synergistic because that's not correct. It's not true. Well, and, and also, it's, it's completely wrong to say that that's the Reformed view. Absolutely, because it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You cannot say, again, synergism presupposes human free will and that's why regeneration is after faith so that that is completely at odds with the reformed order of salvation right. and so um it's really interesting because i was actually reading um i was doing some some more research on this i was trying to look at there's actually not a lot on on the internet about this but i did see some articles by sproul and you know he talks about it a little bit in his book what is reformed theology and he says that he says that convert he says it a little bit differently than the dictionary entry that I just read. He says that uh, synergism is with respect to uh, regeneration that you believe that uh, you regenerate yourself or that you initiate regeneration by first having faith, which is still completely wrong. It's not that's not at all the reformed position, and so. Well, Paul did say, uh, Paul did say that that uh, that regeneration was monergistic. 
Right, but that's that's the problem. That doesn't mean that conversion is synergistic. Again, because you're, it's a contradiction to say that. Right. You know, right because yeah. because synergism claims that regeneration uh, follows faith, and yeah. so uh, that that was just a total mess. And I th and I commend Vincent for actually pointing that out. He was he was dead on about that. Well, and, and Colleen was trying to point it out as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just that we we had a you know, it, it just wasn't made very clear because we weren't we weren't actually defining the, the, the terms as, as to what they actually mean. Right. And, you know, the fact that Paul was saying that there's an element of synergism in conversion, it's just com because he was trying to explain that we do something ourselves, it was just completely misleading because syn uh, synergism is synergos, right? It means to work together with or to cooperate with God in our conversion. It, it's completely wrong. It's not the reform view at all. And so obviously God gives us the faith. God gives us repentance and we repent and have faith. But those acts of faith are not cooperation with God and they are not works. Faith is explicitly clear in the Bible that it is not a work. It is a gift of God and it is given to us by God. And so we don't cooperate with God to get it, in other words. And so um, the I wanted to read a little bit here. This this was really fascinating about this this whole synergistic controversy that I that I kind of uh, touched on a little bit. This is from a book called The History of Christian Thought by J. L. Neve. Uh, he has a section here on the synergistic controversy. It says we know of Melanchthon's disagreement with the strict Lutherans in regard to the condition of man's will and the experience of his conversion. So this is exactly what we're talking about: the role that the will plays in conversion. In his Loci of 1535. He emphasized the point that original sin has not deprived man of the faculty to make right decisions when incited by influences of grace. That's the Arminian view. Okay, As to spiritual righteousness, there is no faculty in man's will capable of producing something new, but the will of man is able to assume an attitude and give assent when this new, when this new makes its advance to him. Thus, Melanchthon arrived at the constantly repeated formula of the three concurring causes in the process of conversion, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and man's will, which is not entirely inactive, but which struggles against its own weakness or infirmity. Uh, Sackert remarks correctly, the ethical motive of Melanchthon is altogether respectable, but in the formulation of his thesis, he was unfortunate, for the divine work in the human attitude must not be thought of in the form of an addition of coordinated, of coordinated factors. Lutheranism is very sensitive when it comes to its Augustinian monergism, of grace and conversion. The synergistic expressions of the Leipzig interim have presented a strong appeal to many theologians who cannot be charged with desiring to surrender anything of the sola gratia, as can be seen from the utterances, from the utterances of, of such men as J. Pfeffinger and Victor Strigel. The interim said, God does not deal with man as with a block, but he draws him in such a way that his will also cooperates. Again, folks, this is not the reform view. This is completely, this is a this is the Arminian compromise that Many scholars point out about Melanchthon that he began to uh, become more man-centered. And so uh, Pfeffinger adopted the phrase of the three efficient causes instead of the third of these, namely the will of man, that it does not resist but adapts itself to the working of the spirit. He said that there must be something within us which explains why some assent and others do not. So there you have it. They are attributing some credit or something in man that God does not first attribute to him there that, that that's the problem and that's what synergism is wrong that's why it's wrong 
Yeah, that's why it's not the reformed position, and it's wrong to use that terminology. Um, yes. So, now, Carlos. I want to – let me – I've just finished this. This is a really good uh, little sentence here I want to finish off go with. Go for it. In public disputation with Flacius in 1516, uh, Strigel said that sin has not been abolished and has not destroyed free will, but only depraved it. The will acts in its own in its own way in conversion with a peculiar mode of action, so that no inward transformation can be real except the will has given its assent. To use the words of Seberg, Strigel conceives in that of the natural man as only bound, wounded, and hindered by sin, not dead. In other words, not dead, okay? Although it is but weakly, yet the will of man cooperates. Its attitude toward grace is not simply passive, but only more passive than active. So that's it. I mean, uh, that that's the context, and that's what synergism actually means, okay? It is not the reform view at all. So I guess the big question I have is, this is not the first time that this has happened. Do you think it's do you think they're going to accept this or what? I have I honestly have no idea. Um he I was I was kind of hoping he wouldn't double down. I mean, I kind of expected it to happen that he would follow up in his episode, but well, uh, I don't know. Of, I'm glad that he doubled down because that confirmed for us what his position was and what he was saying. But this, again, is another instance of Reformed theology being misrepresented. Yes, and, unfortunately, yeah. You know, I, at this point, I, I'm not really sure what to do because we've never seen them acknowledge any of their misrepresentations of Reformed theology. And so Paul said in his last episode that he doesn't like to, that he likes to represent people accurately, he, or he doesn't like to misrepresent people. I forget how he said it, but, uh, well, let's see. I mean, I hope that, uh, yeah. I, I hope that our, for our listeners, I, I hope that our listeners um, will, will just, just hear us say that this really doesn't represent the Reformed position to use synergism um, in relation to the Ordo Salutis or use synergism as it pertains to the, the issue of, uh, of conversion. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty much all we can do. We're just trying to give our view and say, uh, I don't believe that this is the Reformed Baptist view. Um, if you want to use the word particular Baptist, that's fine too. I don't, uh, you know, labels are labels and whatever. I don't believe that this is the Presbyterian view. I don't believe so. Um, I mean, maybe maybe somebody could find some professing Reformed theologian who who was wrong about this and and sort of use that to say, see, Reformed people do say this. But uh, I think that if you're going to deal with uh, with Reformed theology, I mean, I don't see this anywhere in history uh, as it pertains to uh, the Reformed tradition. So, you know, that, that, that's where it's at right now. Um, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, trying to, trying to not step on, on toes here. We, we do appreciate these guys. We're, we're glad that, um, that you had the opportunity, Carlos and, and Colleen were, were and Vince, uh, and, you, you know, to, to sort of challenge what was being said. But that's, that's our take. Uh, any, anything else, Carlos? 
Yeah, well, you know, we we gave you the history, we gave you the definitions. That is if you you can't ignore that, you know, you, you cannot ignore that and just you know, it, it's very confusing and misleading to 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 claim what Paul claimed. Um, you know, and they tried to say that you know, it was there was an element of synergism and compatibilism and then compatibilism is another kind of loaded word because from what I was seeing it has a different it seems to have a different meaning in the theological sense as opposed to the philosophical sense because you know I'm looking I was looking at the Stanford encyclopedia definition of it and it it sort of was saying that determinism and free will are compatible and but the theological definition is actually that the the will is free in the sense that it does whatever it wants according to its nature but since our nature in the uh, in the monergistic view is 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 corrupt and evil all we do is sin and evil and so we're free to do what we want but that which we want is always sinful and evil and therefore we cannot choose god unless he first draws and gives us faith and so but but even then like here's the thing if you really want a good answer the best answer to 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 the the, the free will uh, divine uh, what is it called? Divine sovereignty and human dis responsibility problem. The problem of there is no such thing as free will, folks. It, it's there's just no such thing. Okay, God is the first cause of absolutely everything. The ultimate cause of everything. Ultimate means he ultimately causes everything or is responsible for everything that happens uh, indirectly, including sin. Okay, he does not cause sin or commit it, but he indirectly causes it in the sense that he orchestrates everything so that it happens. Okay, so the best work on this that we can recommend to our listeners is get, read Gordon Clark's uh, a chapter from Religion, Re uh, Religion, Reason, and Revelation called God and Evil. It is a masterful treatise on this very issue. It is a brilliant answer, consistent answer, a reformed answer, a biblical answer to this problem because it takes into account the fact that there's primary and secondary causes, right? The primary cause of everything is God. The primary cause of our salvation is God. But God uses secondary causes such as our human will, our human choices as means to accomplish his ultimate purpose. And that's why gr God grants us faith and repentance, which, which also, by the way, and in order to have a better understanding of faith and repentance, uh, we recommend that our listeners check out uh, Clark's um, book from the Trinity Foundation called Faith and Saving Faith. It's actually a collection of two books. Uh, one is called, uh, I think, Saving Faith, and the other one is called the Johannine Logos. Because faith, uh, repentance is actually implicit in faith. And that's why sometimes in the Bible you see them say, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, and without necessarily mentioning repentance, because, uh, the, because of the fact that when you believe, it implies that you actually didn't believe previously before. And so repentance is a change of mind. It is not a turning from sin. I think Paul defined it as a turning from sin, and that's not that's not what it means. Biblically, repentance or metanoia, meta means change, noia means mind. It is a change of mind. God grants you faith, the repentance and faith. So the the faith you you go from not believing the gospel, the God of the Bible, to now believing the God of the Bible, because you have been regenerated. And so. Um, there's a lot going, as you can see, there's a lot to explain here. And, you know, things can get a little rushed in the discussion. And so 
Um, you know, we never really laid out the terms carefully. I know Paul was trying to define everything, and, and I commend him for that, you know. I, I do commend him for that. Um, he was trying to define everything, but unfortunately, using the term synergism <laughs> to apply it to the reform view is just, it's historically inaccurate, it's theologically inaccurate, it's definitionally contradictory, it is just not appropriate at all. So, you know, we, we commend, you know, exhort them to that, and hopefully they, you know, they recognize what's 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 actually going on here. Yeah, definitely. So um, I know that you touched on God and evil. Um, so we we would hold the view of supralapsarianism. Is that is that the way that you would say it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know uh, some people were asking me about that recently. I'll just I'll just say that right now I need to reread Gordon Clark's book. Uh, and go over this stuff again, but I remember at the time that I definitely agreed with uh, with what he said. I agreed with his position uh, in the book God and Evil. If you're also looking for God and Evil, you can go to the Trinity Foundation and look up uh, its Volume Four, Christian Philosophy, and the Signature Series um, of it's uh, the fourth book in the Signature Series. It's titled Christian Philosophy, and there. It, that combines a couple of books. One of the books that's included is God and Evil because I don't I'm, I don't think that they sell that as a standalone book. Yes, um, they do. They actually, oh, they actually do. You're right. You're right. They do. That is okay. They do. Uh, some of the other books that are that are compiled in these signature series they don't um, because I yeah. know I was looking for uh, the one on science and that's I think in volume five and I can't find it uh, as a standalone book. But um. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Um, but I, I would just buy the, the the fourth book in the signature series because that's where he also talks about uh, axioms and uh, the axioms of revelation, and he talks about logic. So I would I would say just to get that book, the the one that combines the the smaller books. So, yeah, they 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 sell God and Evil as a separate pamphlet, which is a chapter in Religion, Reason, and Revelation, which is also sold as as a separate book. And is also included in Volume Four, Christian Philosophy, uh, which is yeah, like you know, if you if people remember from our previous episode where I recommended that people get Volume Four because it includes that and some other really good really good material, you know, for that Clark presents for presenting the the Christian worldview and, and refuting opposing worldviews. But yeah, you know, um, here's and I did want to comment on this too because I saw that you know. Uh, Ryan had jumped in on the episode and he was kind of commenting on things that uh, you, you can tell that Ryan hasn't listened to our previous episodes and I would encourage him to do that uh, because he was they brought up the point about the law. Well, that, hold on. Let me correct you. You got the impression that he didn't sure. listen to our episodes. Sure. Ryan, we don't know if he actually did. I, I well, yeah, right. And I, I don't think he did because of the fact that when he tried to. Uh, you know, they pointed out the issue because what I said that, you know, the the lighter did not completely do away with the tripart division of the law. And um, if people remember our previous episodes where we talked about the law and we threw down the gauntlet, the gauntlet in response to Christopher Fail's challenge to to uh, if it's funny, his challenge was to actually give us some scriptures that that either implied directly or even indirectly that the that the tripart uh, division of the law was actually in the Bible, and so, um, and then it was funny because Paul actually before we answered 
to their challenge, Paul was actually saying that all of the law is moral. There is no, you know, there, there's no none of these like distinctions. It's all moral. And so, you know, this is and in the comment that he made on the episode in this last episode was that, oh, we've always held to the a distinction. We've always held to that. We just don't hold to division. And so Ryan explained, you know, use the analogy of the Trinity to explain that division is not the same thing as, as distinction. And, you know, we already pointed this out. We've that's already... been our view from the beginning, and that's actually what we uh, what we said. It's, you know, uh, w when we critiqued uh, Christopher Fales' article, that was one of the, the points of criticism that we said, We you know. Yes. Uh, that's always been the reform view. It's, um, they are correct that it is, it, the issue is semantic, and they are correct that it's not, a, it, it's not as, it, it, the better term is distinction, not, not division. They are correct about that, but because a lot of these criticisms come from shallow regurgitated arguments from other new NCT authors rather than actually reading the, the original sources themselves, um, this error tends to get perpetuated a lot. And we've already corrected that from, from a long time ago. You know, we've already pointed out that no reformed author, and I challenge anybody to find me one who actually divides the law into three separate pieces. No reformed author does that. They all acknowledge that it's the law of Moses as a unit, but there are distinctions between that law, namely the ceremonial, the civil, and the and the moral. And the reason it's called the moral, the moral law, is not that the other ones are 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 optional, that or that you don't have to obey them, or they're not moral in in the sense that you have to obey God. It's called the moral law. And Calvin, I think we might have, and I think we did quote Calvin where where he explains this, that it's called moral because of the fact that it continues into the New Testament. It's eternal law. It's part of the moral law of God that that never expires. And so that's why it's called moral. It's not that you're not that you can just ignore the other commandments. Um, right. So, and and we would also say that um you, you know I think uh I don't know I don't know if it's Paul or somebody else. I think it was Paul that was talking about uh the the Ten Commandments and uh you know I don't know. This might not have been Paul, but somebody was talking about how, you know, we, we point back to the Ten Commandments and, uh, you know, thou shalt not kill. But, you know, uh, it also says in the New Testament uh, that we're to love. And so we would actually include the New uh, Testament commands uh, as, as part of the moral law to love your neighbor, uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, fulfill the law of Christ. So we're not limiting the, the, so we're not saying that the Ten Commandments that that is the exclusively the moral law. Yeah, we've made that very clear. And um, you know, it's I'm really glad you brought up that point because Paul Pastor Paul did say that. He said I'm not being morally conformed to the Decalogue. I'm being conformed to Christ. And because because and you even in that very show he was misrepresenting the view. He, the, the misunderstanding is so, it's so basic and it's so shocking because we actually had confronted them about this directly on Facebook. And so it, it was just really surprising that like, you know, we had already addressed this or so we thought. And it's like, you know, what's going on here? Why, why aren't you guys listening? You know? And so he said that, that, that we're not, I'm not being morally conformed to the Ten Commandments because Christ also said to love your enemy. And it's like, Right, but that's our point because, first of all, the Ten Commandments is not the the entire moral law. 
we've made that very clear. We've quote, you know, read the, the larger catechism. I just read it, right? The larger Westminster Larger Catechism, question 93. There is no serious disagreement between all of the reformed camp on this they all they all agree on this point on the point of the law there's very little disagreement on this issue and they definitely agree with the concept of the moral law so he you know he said because Christ also said love your enemy and he was implying that the old testament didn't teach that or that the 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 the, the, the 10 commandments or that the moral law didn't include that it's like okay well what about you know what about proverbs 25:21 I guess he forgot about that one, right? Because it says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. And I, that's why I made the comment in the episode that that's a false disjunction. That's a false dichotomy between the Ten Commandments or the moral law, which is not just the Ten Commandments, but it, it, it's summarized in the Ten Commandments, and Christ. There is no dichotomy there. Christ affirmed it all. He, he affirmed all of it, and that's why I also said that he said the entire law and the prophets hangs on the two great commandments. So that obviously includes to love your enemy. That's part of the moral law. It's clear because it says it in the Old Testament and it says it and it repeats it and, and reaffirms it in the New Testament. Yeah. Right? So yeah. this is a this is why we're showing people, and we've we've already been we've been doing this, right? We've been doing this from the beginning. And people jump on afterwards and they make it seem like, you know. Oh well, it's like making, like the misunderstanding was ours. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, no, I'm sorry, but we've addressed this several times. We've tried to point it out to them several times, and it continue it continues to get perpetuated. So, you yeah, know, and so you know, it, it's interesting because I'm wondering if just if if so, this is just a thought, okay? I'm wondering if they if they understood the reformed positions better if they would actually just agree with us on some of these points. And the example that I'm thinking of is the sanctification issue, because uh, repeatedly I've heard uh, New Covenant theologians say that we're not sanctified by the law. And so then the, and, and it's, it's meant as a correction right. to reform the theology. Reform exactly. Yeah. And, and so then we point out, and so in having conversations with, with a couple of friends and then, uh, and then also uh, some of the stuff that I heard online, this is this is what I heard them saying, was that we're not sanctified by obeying the law. Okay, well, so then so then we, we bring correction and we say, well, that's not the reformed position. And I actually read uh, in, in one of my uh, episodes uh, you weren't on. I read uh, the the thing from John Robbins where John Robbins says that that works are a fruit of sanctification that we're not actually sanctified by obeying the law. So then we point out that the reform position is is that we're we're primarily sanctified by the word of truth as it says in John 17. Uh, was it 173 or 1717? 1717. 1717, um, 17, 17, yeah. We're sanctified uh, by the word of truth. Your word is truth. And so we point out that we're sanctified by the law in the sense that it is part of the word of God. And that the law has a more immediate effect of bringing about that sanctification because it pertains to holiness. And I thought, man, I thought you did a really good job of explaining that on the episode uh, of uh, of the the clashing with theology, uh, guys. I, I thought you did a really outstanding job of explaining that um, because you used uh, big big words, and uh, I can't exactly repeat what you said. But uh, so we point out that. 
that that is the sense in which we are sanctified by the law but then what they do is then i from what i from what i understand i think that they would agree with that so right. then so then it becomes right. okay so so then then it uh, the question is okay so then you agree that we are sanctified by the law and then yeah. and then so, so now they're yeah. contradicting themselves because earlier they were saying that we're not sanctified by the law now they're in a position where they'd have to say that we are sanctified by the law and really in the same sense that we're saying it so then either so either your 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 earlier criticism which said that we weren't sanctified by the law that's wrong or your criticism of us which says that we're not sanctified by obeying the law is wrong so i'm not i'm not really too sure how you would escape that because if i mean i just laid out the argument i, I don't see how you you would you, you would escape the the fact that either you're misrepresenting us or you're contradicting yourself and so i get the impression that they don't understand the reform perspective on some of these issues and i'm thinking maybe if they did we could just agree about it and there wouldn't be this this back and forth and and we could say yeah i think i think we agree with that and i'll just throw this out there um there was a, a prominent uh, theologian, uh, New Covenant theologian that I talked to, and I said, hey, what's your view of sanctification? And he said, yeah, it's the same as the Reformed Baptist. And I was like, really? Okay, well, there we go. I mean, so can we just save some time and move on to something else? So well, what, what do you think about that, man? Unfortunately, that would require a lot of revisions and corrections to a lot of New Covenant theology books, um, because you know they're and they're, they don't. All, I don't think they all agree on this either, because um, you know David Gay. The subtitle says it all, and that's what I pointed out to Pastor Paul. Is he says no sanctification by the law, and then he said, you know, you're taking him out of context. He's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm not because I actually read it. I read it where he said that, where he said. He was interpreting Galatians a very specific way. And, you know, I know we don't have time right now to get into all this stuff. We will have to dedicate a, a full episode to, you know, a lot of this stuff about regarding NCT. But, you know. Right. And, and, and um, I'll just say that, that that gets old after a while. It's like, you know, read. A, it's like we're trying to interact. And, and, you know, one thing about NCT is it is not monolithic. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no two ways about it. It is not monolithic. And so right. when we try to have a conversation with a NCT proponent, we think it's better to interact with them directly. But then, you know, um, that, we that's told, when you had the problem. That's yeah, that, the problem that happened with with my encounter with Pastor Paul on the sanctification hangout, because he was he claimed to hold to David Gay's view. But then he said, no, we're sanctified by the word of God. And so it's like, okay, well, that that includes the law then. And he says, yeah, he he, he actually affirmed that. He said, yeah, we're sanctified by the entire Old Testament, the New Testament. I think I think he said something like that, something like that, basically agreeing with the Reformed position. Except David Gay, in his book, he rejects all three uses, all three Reformed uses of the law in his book. And what's the third use of the law? And that's what I pointed out. It's that the law is a guide to our sanctification. It sanctifies us and it guides us in our sanctification. That's the reform view, and for and for David Gate to reject that, obviously, is is showing you that he rejects that the law sanctifies us, and so 
and not only that, but he also goes into Galatians and he says that, you know, uh, uh, we're not sanctified by by the law. You know, that because of, you know, what you have begun in the spirit, why are you trying to complete by, by, by works of the law or by the flesh or whatever, you know, whatever it says. But, um, you know, we're going to give you, we're going to provide quotations and everything because if, if David Gay does say in that book, and I, I don't think I found it, um, but if he does say that we're sanctified by the by the entire word of God, then he's contradicting himself. That is a contradiction. And the this problem, unfortunately, is that they end up shooting themselves in the foot either once or twice because you shot yourself in the foot because now you're disagreeing with the Reformed faith, which is actually the correct view because it affirms that we're sanctified by the word of God. And Paul Kaiser even read the chapter on sanctification from the Westminster Confession that affirmed that. It affirmed that we are sanctified by Christ's death and resurrection, by his spirit, and by the word of God, the entire word of God. And so the funny thing is you either reject it because – and that makes – that which would make you antinomian with respect to sanctification. That is an unbiblical view of sanctification. It's an error, uh, which is what seems to be the view that David Gay holds to and based on what I've read. And – or – you're actually contradicting yourself because you're actually misunderstanding the reform view. You misrepresented by claiming that we're by uh, claiming that the reform guys say that we're sanctified by keeping the law, some or, or exclusively by the law. Which again, they're they're gross misrepresentations of what the reform faith is, as we've already made clear several right. times. We've pointed this out already a number of times on our previous episodes. So. Right. Um, well, and and the other thing is, I, I was really perplexed because, uh, pri and you pointed this out in the the clashing with uh, theology episode. Um, I was really perplexed because, uh, and just, I mean, I, I don't know what to do, man. I I don't know how to deal with this or how to interact with this because prior to this, Paul said in a Facebook conversation that his view is that of David Gaze. And then you kind of, you know, held them to that in, in the conversation, and and so now it's it sounded like okay, so are you disagreeing with David Gay? But then, but then he said that you took David Gay out of context, which is, I mean, every every time uh, we talk about David Gay, we're taking him out of context. Apparently, um, that, that seems to <laughs> yeah. be uh, the, the 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 uh, the, the go-to argument. <laughs> it's like, oh man, okay, uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here, here. This is what we're gonna do, you know, because the point of this episode is not to make it a back and forth. That's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is lay out our arguments and put all of our cards on the table. We're presenting our arguments to our listeners and to them. If they want to listen, they can listen. They can take our arguments and wrestle with them because we're going to present them when we encounter them again on these hangouts or on their show. We're making it very clear where we stand. And I've always thought this from, from for a while now. I've I've had this thought for a while, man. That the reformers were really onto something. You know, there's just a lot there that they got right. And um, the more I read and the more I study the reformed faith and the reformed tradition, and obviously I'm not, you know, we we obviously the reformed tradition holds scripture to the highest regard. Okay, that that doesn't, you know, we need to get past this biblicist mentality where, oh, it's just me and my Bible. It's just the Bible. That's actually unbiblical, you know, we've, and we've pointed that out as well on our previous shows. But that's what we're doing. That, that is what we're doing. We invite them to listen and to take the arguments. We're going to keep 
coming, we're, we're going to keep presenting them on our show. We're going to interact and we're going to, to formulate our arguments and we're going to present them and we will hopefully in the future, you know, God willing, present them in, in more direct interactions uh, and see who has and see who's more consistent, see who's more biblical. Yeah. And, you know, we'll just leave it with this. Uh, man, we, we, we appreciate the dialogue and we appreciate these brothers uh and Absolutely. you know we we want above everything else because i very much appreciate what andrew Appleport is doing and yes it's i think it's unique and i think it's it's commendable because i don't see you know it's unfortunate that that there's a lot of wars out there um among ministries and that's not what we're after and I very much appreciate Andrew Rappaport trying to bring us together to say, let's let's talk about this, let's uh, let's work this out, let's you know have the clash of theologies where we can just uh, have direct dialogue. Um, and, and I think I think it's unique. I haven't seen anything else like it out there. Um, yeah. You know, I think that a lot of people out there that they don't really maybe necessarily want to be challenged in their view. But, um, you know, it, it's like going back to Gordon Clark, man. Um, we're Clarkians, but we don't agree with everything that Clark said or wrote. Um, you know, if you, are, if you are doing that with any teacher, you know, I love R.C. Sproul, but I think that R.C. Sproul's um, apologetic is wrong. We love John MacArthur, but we've, we've said that we think he's wrong in some areas. Uh, Carlos and I, Carlos thinks I'm wrong in some areas. I think he's wrong in some areas. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like, well, we, we go back to the Word of God. We go back to the Bible. And we, we you know, that that's the ultimate standard. And so, you know, if, if we're wrong, then, then we're wrong. And, hey, we're being sanctified in, in the truth. We're being refined in the truth. We're being uh, reformed and made new in the truth. So um, we, we very much appreciate these guys. I will say that, uh, you know, a special thanks goes out to Owen Pond because Owen Pond really helped me to understand uh, the Reformed Baptist views a little bit better. And, uh, and going through this, this stuff with the New Covenant Theology, they're asking some great questions. They're asking some great questions that I think the Reformed world uh, needs to address and and in particular uh, issues about the Sabbath. Uh, it's it's surprising at how many uh, churches you go to and you just ask them basic you ask the members basic questions and they can't tell you anything. And um, I think that that's you know I think that's a problem. And so I very much appreciate these dialogues. I I'm I've learned a lot. I've I've learned a lot about both views. Um, so. Uh, I, I think that's a good place to leave it, man. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we look forward to the opportunity, and you know, I I think that ultimately, um, we we're hoping the best of this. You know, it's not to as as I said in the sanctification episode. You know, I I don't think there's there's no animosity here. You know, that we're not being argumentative or anything like that at all. Um, our points, our points have been very clear from the beginning. We have some serious concerns about New Covenant theology, and that's why we're raising up these issues, and we will continue to raise them and and challenge them on it because 
they need to be addressed, right? And just as in the same way that we need to understand, really that's what happens is mo since most people have the impression that John MacArthur is reformed or that, you know, they, is, he's so, he's very far removed from the reformed faith, actually, you know, he doesn't even hold to covenant theology and he's not a Sabbatarian. And so it's like, a lot of people don't even know what covenant theology or reformed theology actually is. And really that's what we need to do is actually understand what it is because so many NCT guys, I would venture to say that even most of them don't actually understand it. And that's actually why they're NCT to some extent. And so that's what we need to do. I think we should, I think that would be good for all of us to do, you know, seek to understand the reformed tradition and, and the, the reformed faith better. And um, that's why I'm grateful for these opportunities. And I look forward to it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, with that, we will check everybody next week. God bless. Come on, let's turn it up. We're going